You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. This message series is all designed around a theological word called incarnation. Let me hear you say incarnation. Incarnation. The idea that God himself became flesh in Jesus Christ. And it's what Christmas is all about. It's, it's, uh, even though people will have, uh, different beliefs or backgrounds or whatever, this is a time of year, actually, uh, even more so than Easter, where people are open to thinking about or talking about Jesus or even attending uh, a church service. And so, uh, we want to be a light in our communities during this season. Um, one of the popular verses, uh, in the Christmas story, where we get our theme from for the next few weeks, is found here in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, today we're talking about in the valley, how God is with us in the valley. Matthew chapter 1, in verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say this together, God with us. This is what we're talking about this whole uh, month of December. And have you noticed that Christmas season gets earlier and earlier? Like the music starts earlier in November now or something like that. And the, the season starts. Isn't that funny? Um, so I was like, December 2nd, why not spend the whole month talking about Christmas? Uh, I, I, I love this verse here. Uh, the angel is, is providing this direction, is providing this, uh, this instruction and this prophecy that this this Mary, this virgin, will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, just like the song we just sang. Emmanuel, God with us. Incarnation, God himself becoming human in the flesh with us. He is with us in different seasons of our life. And that's what we're going to be exploring here in the next few weeks. He's with us in the valleys of our life. He's with us in the wilderness times of our lives. He's with us in the storms that we encounter in life. He's with us always. It's easy to believe God is with us when life is going great. In fact, when life is going great, we often don't think about God being with us because we feel like this is all beyond, because of, you know, just circumstance. Like, life is just good right now. I, you know, you got a new boyfriend, or you got a new girlfriend, or you got a raise, or a promotion, or... You know, you go to Target on Saturday and you get the best parking spot right there in front of the, which happened to me yesterday. I'm just going to say, I went to Target yesterday. I was like, God, this is not the best place to be on a Saturday, especially during Christmas season. I got in there, got like the second parking spot right, you know, by the entrance. And I was like, God is with me. God is with me today. I can feel it. You know, when you're on the mountaintop of life, you know. God is with you. But it becomes a lot more challenging to believe this when you're in the valleys of life. A tragedy occurs. A loss of a loved one. Loneliness. A battling of depression. These different things can can create valleys in our lives. And men, when you're in the valley, it is hard to believe God is with us. You know, the valley 
isn't just an incredible tragedy, maybe, in your life. The valley, it could be one thing going wrong in your life. So you have a great, you know, your life is going great in all these areas, but this one area is just painful to think about or to, or that's going on in my life or whatever it is. And so, you know, maybe, um, maybe your marriage is going great, but your son or daughter are just making just stupid decisions and you see them, the trajectory is just going off, you know, off, off the roads of spirituality and you're just so, it's this one thing, your marriage is great, but this one thing. Or vice versa, maybe, maybe school is going great for you as a student, but you come home and your family dynamic is horrible. And mom and dad are always arguing. And, uh, you know, my brother or my sister or my cousin or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, this cousin decided to, uh, you know, uh, wanted to tr- attempted suicide or whatever it is. Like, in other words, I'm getting straight A's, but then I come home and home is a mess. Maybe your family as a whole is doing great, but you go to work and you're constantly being judged by your boss or you've been falsely accused at work and you're afraid of you might lose your job. Or maybe that is an area that's happening right now where you're everything around you is great, but but you just recently lost your job. That can create valleys. Are you guys with me on this? So often your life is going well. But there is that one thing that's just kind of an extra weight. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, uh, battles often happened in the valley. And some of us may be in a battle right now. Just a tension, something happening in our lives that's creating uh, friction or tension or there's a fight happening. And we're in the, va- in, in the valley. There's a loneliness that occurs in the valley. You feel like nobody else around you understands what you're going through. And even though they attempt to tell you you'll get through this, you, you have such a hard time believing this. Desperation happens in the valley. You're just desperate to get out of this. I just want to be on the mountaintop. I want to get that parking spot. You know, whatever it is, you want to be on the mountaintop, but you're stuck in the valley. Whatever the case is, you and I, we've all been through valley seasons in our life. Can I get a a hearty amen on that? We've all been through stuff like that. The big idea, the big idea for today and what we're going to be reading in God's word is this, that you may enjoy God on the mountaintop. But you get to know him intimately in the valleys. That you may enjoy, and it's true, you, you will enjoy God on the mountaintop, but you get to really know God intimately in the valleys. Some of us like to forget valleys, right? I, I was attempting this week, like, what has been a valley in my life? And I feel like I've just tried to ignore them all. You know what I mean? Because you go through stuff. And uh, as I was thinking about uh, uh, something that stood out to me, as, as when I first started out uh, as a minister, 
um, I remember you know, there, was a, there was a very sincere and innocent, I want to help as many people as possible know about God and know about Jesus. And wow, to be able to be allotted the amount of time in my schedule to be able to be devoted to preaching the word and, and studying the Bible with people, it was very exciting. And I, I, I worked primarily with high school students and college students, and, um, and it was awesome. And I had... Uh, I, and I had these these four guys that I personally was had been involved in mentoring through their high school years, and and then they came into college, and I was asked to lead our college ministry, so they were in my college ministry, and we're all together, and I'm like, yes, this is this is family, this is awesome, I love being with the guy these guys, and they're some of my best friends, and um, and the, I was kind of big brother to all of them, so they are, it was like family, you know. And I'd, you know, you, when you're involved in that process, you give your heart to people. You really give your heart, your time, your energies to help people because you believe, man, Jesus, to, to be able to give this gift of God's word and Jesus is the best thing you could do with your time. Like, you just love it. And I remember in one month, all four of them made decisions to turn their backs on God. And they walked away. And they left our church, and they left, and, and, it, and it felt like they left me. Do you know what I mean? Like they left me personally. And I just, and this may not be a huge tragedy to, I mean, I know many of you may have gone through way deeper things, but I looked at that time in my life, and we, because again, you have your things, right? Your life may be going great, but you got that one thing. And I remember in that season, I questioned everything. Is this really worth it? Is it really worth all the time and energy and emotional, mental giving? Is it really worth it? Is God's word, is the, is the gospel of Jesus real? I mean, these guys literally said no after years. Maybe I should say no too. I was at this point wrestling considering, thinking, questioning. It was a valley season. And I had people around me and, hey, Rude, don't worry, you'll get through it kind of thing. But I knew in that moment, I, the only way to get out of this is, is I'm going to have to get to know God. That took a few days away, and I just read my Bible. I literally read all of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians over and over and over. And I just... God, talk to me. Talk to me. And finally, it just, it was like an aha moment. And I was able to know God intimately in that valley. Does that make sense? And I think we've, we've all experienced, if you've been a follower of Jesus for an amount of time, you've all experienced a season like that. If you're not a believer, if you're not... Uh, if you're trying to trying to figure out your way back to God or figure out what your faith is, you know we, you've experienced those times as well where you know that man something is happening here. I don't I can't put my finger on it, but something's happening. Because what you on the mountaintop you could enjoy God, but you get to know Him intimately in the valleys. Turn your Bible to Psalm, chapter 84. I want to walk through a portion of a psalm today and then a portion of the Apostle Paul's writing that will help us have some perspective while in the valley. 
Psalm 84, in verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I want to walk through a couple of these statements here. It says here that that we see that there's a blessing for those whose strength is in God. That there's a trust there, that there's a strength that you can get from God. You see, for for a non-believer, for somebody who's who's not really a believer in God, you have strength to endure or get through a difficult situation. But in the end, that's all the strength that you have. It's just your strength. For the believer, for the Christ follower, that individual has that same strength within themselves plus a strength beyond your own strength. This divine strength. And so he's saying that there's a blessing For those whose strength is in you, talking to God. That it's beyond the strength that you have. You know, in our society, we idolize independence. Getting through life on your own. There's no need for help. Almost every movie that you watch has a theme, underlying theme of believe in yourself. You got this. It's the individualism. It's, it's the individual that can get themselves out of this valley. And we idolize this. And we love these types of movies. And we love that kind of, uh, even the songs that we listen to. We love those stories of somebody just by their bootstraps, just kind of coming up on their own. We idolize it. The issue, though, is that we were not created for independence. We were created for dependence on God. Blessed, it says. Blessed are you when you realize your need for and dependence on God and decide to rely on Him. Blessed are you when you see that there is a strength beyond your strength and you start putting your trust in that strength. In the New Living Translation of the Bible, it says that it talks about uh, having your hearts set on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Jerusalem being the city of refuge, the city of peace in that for those readers or those listeners or singers of this psalm. That, 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 that Jerusalem, and so in the another translation talks about it, it's, it's you're on this pilgrimage to this city of refuge, this city of peace. So, so set your mind on that. Set your heart on that. Similar to what Paul says in Colossians 3 about, you know, set your heart and mind on things above, right? So in the same way, the psalmist, the, the writer here is saying, you know, blessed are you when, you when you realize that your strength is beyond, there's a strength beyond your strength, and that your heart is set on this pilgrimage because you're thinking about the final destination. But in order to get there, verse 6 says, you've got to pass through the valley of Baca. In other translations, the, the trees of Baca uh, are trees that ooze sap, and so they look like weeping trees. And so the, the, a lot more, more of the uh, translations say that this says the valley of weeping or the valley of tears. Um, 
And so in order to get to that city of refuge, you're going to have to go through this valley of weeping, this valley of tears. But the valley of tears is not the destination. And I think that's the coolest thing to think about in the valley is that you pass through the valley. You walk through the valley as I walk through the valley of the shadows of death. Right. Psalm 23 I'm walking through these valleys. I'm passing through them. The valley is not my final destination. But I'm going to walk through it in order to get to that city of refuge. So as I'm walking through it, it says when they pass through that valley, when they're walking through that valley, it says they make it a place of springs. In other words, they make these containers you know, that the autumn rains will also cover it with pools. So in other words, as I'm walking through the valley, I'm going to prepare myself and prepare whoever is with me for rains, for blessings, for God. And so, and so what God is telling us, what God is, what we see in this is in the valleys, as you're walking through the valleys, If you show a little bit of faith, God will show up with his faithfulness. Amen? If you just show up with a little bit of faith, a mustard seed of faith, God will show up with his faithfulness. You know, when you read Jesus' interactions with people and healing people, you see that he never just heals them. He always asks them to show their faith. The guy with the shriveled hand, hey, open your hand. Open your hand. I don't know if Jesus would have healed that guy if he would have said, no, I don't want to open my hand. You open it for me. No, Jesus was wanting to see if this guy was going to have faith. The guy that was paralyzed. Pick up, hey, pick up your mat and walk. Well, I don't know. I, I thought you were going to pick me up and walk, you know, and carry me. No, Jesus says, no, I want you to pick up your mat and walk, right? To feed the 5,000. Hey, guys, go find what, go see what we have. Bring to me what we have. In every instance, when you read through the Gospels, as you see Jesus' life, in every instance, he's all, he always, he knows what he can do. But he wants to see if you're going to show up with a little bit of faith. And what kind of faith you're going to have. Are you going to walk through that valley and make it a place of springs? And open those containers and dig the holes in waiting for God's blessing in the valley. In the valley, although it feels appropriate to give up, it's not the place to give up. It's the place to show up with your faith, to make wells in preparation for God's blessing and presence. It may not come in the timing that you want, but get yourself ready. If you dig the well and you make it a place, if you dig that well, God will fill that well. If you pray that prayer, God's going to listen and hear that prayer in faith. If you prepare, he will show up. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If you seek him with all your heart, he will be found by you. Do you see the relationship there? You got to do something, just something. God never promised you wouldn't go through the valley. He promised you would not go alone through the valley. He's with us. 
in the valley. In verse 7, it says here that you know, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains cover it with pools. It says, but then they also go from strength to strength. Sometimes it's just a step. It's just that one prayer. Sometimes it's just showing up to church. Sometimes it's just asking for a little bit of help. I don't have the faith to pray right now. Can you pray for me? You know what? You pray, and I'll listen to your prayer. Let's go on a prayer walk. Okay, I'll walk, and you pray. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we're in that mode in the valley. But, man, you show up with a little faith and say, okay, I'll walk, and you pray. That's a little faith. God's going to show up. And you'll go from strength. That's a little bit of strength. And you go from strength to strength through the valley. Isn't that incredible to think about? That God, God is light. God is comforter. God is faithful. God hears us. God is waiting for us. God is strength. God is with us. God is good to us on the mountaintop, and he is good to us and kind with us even in the valleys. The Apostle Paul, he went around the Mediterranean world and planted, started a lot of different churches and gatherings, assemblies of Christ followers. And so he goes around, starts these churches, and then he, he leaves them and he writes letters back to them. And we have an account, a lot of documents in the New Testament, what we call the New Testament, of these letters that he wrote to these assemblies, these ecclesias, as he terms them. And uh, he went through a lot in his life. Paul went through a lot of many exciting mountaintop experiences, many valleys, many storms in his life. And in one instance, he makes an observation during a valley time, uh, valley season of his life that I think will help us today as we uh, continue studying God's word, as we're, we take communion um, uh, soon uh, and consider our responses to whatever valley seasons come our way. Second Corinthians chapter one. Oops. Second Corinthians chapter one. Look what Paul says in verse eight. He's telling the Corinthian church, hey, listen, guys, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. How many of us have been through a valley season where we feel like this? Far, great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. I just, I, he says, I felt we had received the sentence of death. There's no life tomorrow. There's no hope. But look what he says. Look at his response to this feeling of it being in the valley. He says, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Under great pressure... 
far beyond our ability to endure, despairing of life, sentence of death. These are honestly many sentiments that we feel when we're going through the valley. But look at his attitude. He says, all this happened so that we would learn to rely on God and not ourselves. Not just God as in God ethereal, like figure, supreme being, but a God, it says here, who raises the dead. Think about that. You're in the valley and God is right there as you show up in faith. And this is not just God, God in heaven, distant God. This is God who raises the dead. And yet we despair of life, not realizing the power of God and his strength. Many times we want to white knuckle our way through the valley. I can make it on my own. I'm out of here. When the whole time God is allowing it so we would learn to to rely on him even more. But we're thinking we can make it. We have our heads down, our fists closed. I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a hard time. I'm going to make it out. I'm going to get myself out of this mess that I created or that's being allowed in my life. I'm going to make it out. I'm going to make it out. And God's like, dude, I'm allowing this in your life so you can lift your head up and rely on me. Come to me. Trust me. I have strength beyond your strength. Come on. I'm with you. God delivered Paul, it says here, and he continues to deliver Paul as they're helped along, it says here, by the prayers of many. You know, there's such a power in prayer. Now, when you're in the valley, a lot of times you don't want to pray. A lot of times you're in the valley, you blame God because you're in the valley. God, if that, you know, you shouldn't, why did you allow that to happen? Oh, God, that guy or God, that girl or, you know, whatever it is. And we can blame, it's easy to blame God. And Paul, being in despair of life, you know, I'm sure he prayed, but his prayers may have been shallow. He says, man... What helped me is actually the prayers of many, knowing that many around me were praying. Now, I appreciate um, last week I announced about our brother, Young, Young Tran, who's going to be going through a tongue uh, surgery to remove cancer in his tongue. And uh, he wanted it to be announced because he wanted to ask for the prayers of many. Now, yeah, he could have just prayed on his own with his wife and their small group. But he said, I need the prayers of many. Because I don't have to go through here. Man, that shows a level of humility, right? I need your prayers. Um, I, I so love and respect and appreciate uh, Dave and Diane Ford every Sunday morning are out here on the patio Praying for you. Praying for our world. Many, many times, Sean Hahn is out there with them. And it's just the three of them. Praying. Praying. I feel like the church is doing well because they're praying. (laughs) I feel like the church is going in a healthy direction because they're praying. They're praying. They're praying. 
But let me just say this about that. Can you imagine if we had more people showing up on Sunday mornings to pray with Dave and Diane? The prayers of many. I just want to put a plug out there. If you're not like actively serving in any way in regards to like our church and in the gem ministry or in the guest experience ministry or in the ushering or in the kids' kingdom, can I just ask you if you'd be willing to come a little bit earlier to go out in the patio and just pray? And just show up with Dave and Diane and just pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the needs in the church. Pray for our church to be a, a light to this community and this city. Pray for different health challenges that are going on. Just pray. just want to put that little plug in. We need prayer. There's a power. There's a power in prayer. And Paul acknowledges it. He says, listen, you know, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So people are going to be like, yay, God's awesome. I thank God on our behalf because of us, because he answered the prayers of many. Isn't that incredible to think about? Sometimes the most powerful thing that you can do for somebody else going through a valley is pray for them. A lot of times we... What can I do? Can I bring you food? Can I help you? Can I give you a ride? We want to do, and I understand that this is a human nature in us. We want to fix it. We want to help the person get through the valley quicker because then it just, you know, it's just a lot more helpful that way. And yet, the most powerful thing. So when people ask for prayers, pray for them. Pray for them. When we see on the news all these different things happening in our world. Do you think God listens to the prayers of his people? Pray. God is wanting to know if we'll trust him in the valley. If we'll make springs of water, show up with your faith. God will deliver us. I love that song that we're singing uh, earlier, God with us. Our, Our deliverer, our savior, he is God with us. I love that. We're going to be singing that every week this month to kind of learn it as a church because it's such the lyrics are so powerful. Emmanuel, God, with us in the valleys. We may not know God's timing and his deliverance. It may actually be longer than what we want it to be. But he will deliver us through the valley. And he will do so again and again. We can have hope in him. But in the valley, when you may not have the faith to pray, ask others to pray for you. God will listen to the prayers of the many, and it may provide the faith you need in order to show up with your prayers of faith. You guys follow me on that? I wanted to, what we're going to do on every, each Sunday is I'm going to have a, a different person come and share their story in regards to uh, illustrating what we're talking about in God's word. And so today uh, I've invited uh, our sister Elena Munoz uh, to come up and share a little bit of her story in regards to how God has been with her uh, through the valley. And so at this time, I'm going to have Elena come on up. She's super nervous. She's done this plenty of times before, but for some reason, she's really nervous today. But uh, we're going to give our hearts to Elena. All right. So, 
I'm actually, I am super nervous, and, um, but I am also really grateful for this opportunity because it really gave me time to remember and to reflect over the last year um, about my time in the valley. So before I actually got to the valley, I went through a year of being in the desert. And uh, that was actually much more worse than the valley. But um, I felt like it was a year of a thousand plagues, like challenge after challenge. And uh, there was a lot of, when God, when is this going to be over? And I thought that once the challenges would subside, then I could just like pack my bags and walk out of the desert into the land of milk and honey. Um, but that... Um, wasn't what happened and the truth was that I could have left the desert at any point it wasn't the challenges that kept me there it was my perspective it was what I chose to see and so it took um, God reminding me that I needed to trust him and reminding me that he was with me all along like even in the deepest darkest parts of the desert he was with me and I remembered that he was my comforter, and I remembered that he was my provider, and I remembered that he was my rock, that he was the giver of strength, and I remembered that he was the God over all the storm. But I had to break free from my fear and my self-reliance and choose to trust him. And then the biggest thing I remembered was that I belonged to him. And that alone, that simple truth, strengthened my faith, and it was a game changer for me. It completely changed the way I saw my life. So when it was just in time that I remembered that because things were about to get real. And uh, God knew what was ahead. Like he knew the valley that I would be walking through. That he knew that I needed him and the confidence of his presence. So, um, even though I really wanted to, like, leave the desert and go to the land of milk and honey, that wasn't in my cards. And November 30th, 2017, just two days and a year ago, I was diagnosed with State Street. Oh, my gosh, it never makes me cry. (laughs) Whenever I share that, it never makes me cry, so I don't know, (laughs) but I was, so... I had stage 3 breast cancer, and it was aggressive and um, advancing super fast, and um, it was just huge. And so, okay, but the truth is that God took this something that could have, like, completely destroyed me and could have derailed me. Because of, I just got out of the desert, so I was like, I'm feeling kind of good at this point. And he took this thing that um, could have just ended my life, really, and he used it for me. He saved my life with it. He, he saved my life. And not physically, that wasn't what was important. But he, he healed every part of my broken heart with cancer. And um, he was there. He was whispering to me, don't be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. 
And those words became my lifeline. So I'm not in the business of asking God why. Like, why did this happen to me? Why are these things going on? Because I knew, I knew that I needed healing. And um, I knew that that's why it had come. So he reminded me that he never left me. That I was, even in the darkest times of the desert, he never left me. That I was not without, my eyes are really burning like I need a different mascara because this is like really burning. Okay, that I wasn't without love or mercy, um, that I was enough, that he was enough, and that I didn't have to control anything. I didn't have to be afraid, and I had a choice to live in fear or to live in his love and in his truth. Thank you. And in the valley, I chose truth. I chose to live in his love. He showed me he was with me every step of the way. He sat with me at the dinner table. He sat with me at the dinner table when tensions were high. And my husband and I were in conflict over my physical healing path. And... um, he was there when I put my face in my hands and I asked him, how, God, how, how do I choose something for someone else? Like, how do I do something to my body for the sake of someone else? I remember that moment, like, so clear. I could still feel all the anger and the fear that was brewing in the kitchen. And, and I chose surrender. And God answered me. He said, Jesus is how. Remember the cross. So I chose love. And I chose to live in his love and not in fear of what may or may not happen. And the truth is that God healed my marriage in the valley. So there was another truth that he spoke to me. And he said, short or long, you have no control over when you die. And that I only had control over how I chose to live my life. That truth gave me incredible peace. I mean, like, after I very carefully and detailed confessed all my sins to anyone who would listen, and I got that piece. But um, I came to peace with dying, and I came to peace with living um, because God was with me. And he gave me joy, like true joy, the kind that comes from his spirit, not like, positivity or giddiness or this like idea of happiness but joy like he showed me how to be in the moment like how to truly experience life in the mundane in the little things Um, he showed me how super ordinary things were where it was at I began to slow down and like truly take in the beauty of my children weird things like watching their little mouths move as they chew their food it was incredible because now when I looked at them, my heart would have that, like, flutter you would get, like, that I really only experienced before, like, when I would see Armando when we were dating. And, um, but, like, now, like, on the daily, like, I was experiencing this flutter in my heart when I would look at my children. And, um, and it wasn't, like, a side effect of the chemo or anything like that. But it was, um, but he taught me how to do that. And he taught me about faith and the truth of what it means. That true faith isn't believing that everything's going to turn out the way that we want it to or hope it will or think that we need it to. It's not saying, God, I prayed and you didn't listen to me. 
And it's not belie- and it wasn't even believing that God would heal me physically, but rather that faith was confidence and trust that God was with me. That no matter what may come, he was with me. That it was being certain of what I didn't see. And, and that was him. And that it was believing him at his word. And he showed up everywhere I went. He was with me. He was there. And most of the year, honestly, my prayer was just songs. Songs that I would sing. Like Lauren Daigle's like my spirit animal because like every single song of hers is like this from the depths of her soul. And they became like my psalms to God. And he healed my heart through those moments. And he let those songs be prayers to him. He let the readings that I got from a devotional Bible be the way that he talked to me. And that's what I, like, I love about him. Is that he's not, like, in any way legalistic or, like, you know, it's got to be this way. No, he showed up in the car, in the grocery store, in the bathroom, in the shower. He showed up. I love how he meets us where we're at. He meets us on the floor of the bathroom, wherever he's there. So he, he hears us, and he offers his love and compassion, and he wraps his arms around us, and he says, you do not need to be afraid. I am with you. Wherever you go, I am with you. And he healed me in that valley with that same promise that he made for thousands of years, the very thing he's been telling his people over and over again. You do not need to be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Elena. Uh, Elena's daughter, Lilia, has a fracture in her collarbone from last weekend. And then this morning, on the way here, her son got injured, all bloody, like a bloody toe or sliced up toe or something like that. And so, um, not that this is funny, but I just, in talking to Elena, it just seems, um, I just respect what her and Armando, their, their faith through it. It just seems like there's just been one thing after the other. So there's, yes, there's the cancer and dealing with all that, but then there's just different instances, different health challenges with their children or, uh, you know, Armando's job situation or whatever the case is. There's always been something going on um, and I feel like sometimes Marina and I are just like spectators in their movie or something like that. Like it's like a, it's literally like a like a film that you're watching, and yet their faith is inspiring. Uh, I really appreciate Elena your your willingness to share uh, this morning, and um, to see your faith and how God has transformed and continues to transform. Uh, both you and Armando, and we love the Munoz family very much. I do want to, um, I don't know, I just want us to be able to listen to that story and get hope for ourselves. 
that when we're in the valley, God is with us. If you just show up with a little bit of faith, He will show up with His faithfulness. If you pray that prayer, He will listen. If you open up your hand, if you make those holes in the ground, God will show up. And the valley is not the final destination. But we will have to go through valleys in order to get to that city of refuge. I want to close out by reading this psalm as we, we're about to take communion here in a minute. Psalm 121. And I was reading this uh, just the other morning and just it just spoke to me uh, in a way that, I mean, so I love this psalm, but uh, there was just an instant where I was reading this and meditating on it. And I'm not a crier. But I definitely had some tears in my eyes. I was listening, reading this and considering our Bible study this morning. And thinking about the valley. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So what's your step, your move? Lift up your eyes. You're in the valley right now? Just lift up your eyes. If you can't lift up both eyes, just lift up one. If that's the amount of faith that you got, just do one. But get from here to here. Knowing and understanding that God is with you in the valley. We can get lost within our own perspective in the valley. Lift up your eyes. Make springs of water. Show up in faith. God is there during this time. I would say the other move is ask for others' prayers. Maybe that is, maybe you don't have the faith to pray right now, or your prayers are just a mumble. But I would encourage you during this season, if Christmas season is a tough time for you, ask. For prayers. Because God will answer the prayers of many. He listens to his people. Others' faith during this time may provide the faith you need to make it through your valley. And lastly, I would say, just come back next week. (laughs) Come back next Sunday. Especially if you're here for the first time, come back next week. We're going to be talking about how God is with us in the desert, in the wilderness. You may enjoy God on the mountaintop, but you get to know him intimately in the valleys. Let's pray as we take communion. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning humbled by your word, humbled by who you are and what you have done in our lives. Father, thank you so much for reminding us that the valley is not the destination. 
But we have to go through valleys. But through those valleys, we, as we walk through them, you are with us. Thank you for Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. Help us as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ. And as we take the cup that represents the blood of Christ to fix our eyes on you, to understand that you became flesh and walked amongst mankind, showing us how to live, how to interact with one another, and gave it all up so that we could have a right relationship with you, so that we could trust in the strength that is beyond our strength, so that we during valleys could have the faith to show up with a little bit of faith, knowing that you will show up with your faithfulness. As we take this bread, as we take this cup, help us if we are in valley season of our life right now, or if there's one thing that's just not going great, help us in those areas to lift our eyes to you. You are an awesome God. You are our deliverer. You are our savior. You are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com. 